Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast that digs you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always with a Mike Wazowski and Sully to my boo. I'm only friends to call him Sully. You should you should speak to him as his full name, James P. Sullivan. Be professional, man. Boo! <laughs> and I'm Mike Wazowski. Ex- uh, sorry, I'm Matt. Mike Wazowski! <laughs> are we just accepting that I'm going to forget to say my name half the time these days? I have yes. no idea. Who are you, anyway? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm Jared. <laughs> and this week... So this week, two new worlds have opened up. Monstropolis and Arendelle. We're going to Monstropolis, which is based on Monsters, Inc. Let's talk about Monsters, Inc. Well, it's one of the earliest um, Pixar movies, and technically it's one I've never seen all the way through, though I've basically really? seen all of it. So I've never had just a full sit down. I thought it was a pretty charming concept myself. But I have seen Monsters, You, and about half of Monsters at Work. Monsters, Inc. was what, the fourth Pixar movie after Toy Story 2? I think it was um, Toy Story, Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc. Is that right? I think you're probably right. That's one of those ones where I'm not quite as good at remembering the exact order, though. Wait, A Bug's Life was Pixar? You didn't know that? Bug's Life, Pixar, and Spy DreamWorks. Oh, for some reason... Okay. I mean, I, so that... I get confused between that, those two, and a B-movie as well. Oh, yeah, Christ. that's the point. That's why that, that's why that happened. Um, Wait, specifically, B-movie? Yeah. Um, I, well, and it's more than B-movie, but... Um, like the reason Ants is the way it is, is that the guy that was working for Pixar got really pissed and he left to go to work for DreamWorks. And he's just like, hey, I know what their next thing is. They're doing this thing with bugs. Let's do a thing with bugs as well to confuse everyone. <laughs> I mean, and that kind of gave DreamWorks a short a short time frame of kind of doing those stupid halfway oh, yeah. there movies. Let's be real. DreamWorks has like a few good movies in their entire oeuvre, which is probably just like some of the Shrek films and the first How to Train Your Dragon and Pe- Kung Fu Panda. I can't fully agree. DreamWorks, I can't say they're always great, but I think they often get they do a pretty good job. Saying oh, Megamind yeah, is good, the, too. Megamind kind of, is good, yeah, too. Kind of, they kind of DreamWorks has a range of B minus to B plus. Pixar kind of has a range from A plus to C minus. Whenever I think of DreamWorks, all I can think of is DreamWorks face from the covers. <laughs> and that is that's kind of a yeah animation issue. Anyway, let's talk about Monsters, Inc. <laughs> I did not actually see Monsters, Inc. in full until, like, I want to say 2017. My mom and sister had seen it, and I, for whatever reason, was, like, in my phase of not being into anything that was coming out from Disney, which was somewhere in my in high school. And I know I saw Toy Story 2 in theaters, and I didn't see Monsters, Inc., so that I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Hmm. It wasn't until Finding Nemo came out a few years later that I got out of that bullshit phase. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Monsters, Inc. is a... It's a movie about... Changing technology and how it affects workers is the it's best movie way to about it. It's a movie about peak oil. Come on. Yeah, it's about peak oil, too. Um, <laughs> it's literally a world in which there's the idea of the monster in the closet or the monster under your bed is because children's screams are a power source. And there's this whole heavily developed industry with with competition, with college courses and track that. And to the point that's. About well, scarers. It's it's not just like that. It's like there's this parallel world where these uh, screams of children are the source of power is the idea. Yes. Like I said, and and it kind of is a mix between being a factory floor worker and also to some degree a bit of a sports star because they have trading cards. True. And stats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're mixing their metaphors a little bit. And the movie does that. And everything changes when the star scarer of the of Monsters, Inc., the titular company, 
ends up taking a little girl home. I think the girl follows her through the door is the idea. Well, it's basically because the villainous character, they caught him doing something shady and that kind of ended up with the little girl in their in their world. Yeah, that's right. And and they find out that when the little girl laughs, it generates way more energy than when she screams. I think they literally call it 10 times as much. Yeah. And so much of the movie is not only about like, how do we keep Boo safe? But it also becomes how do we change things so that laughter is better? Well, to complicate things, not only is this entrenched society, the society has an extreme fear of the idea that humans are toxic to the touch. There's an early scene where a sock gets clung to a monster's back and they treat it like a mixture between a bomb scare and a toxic cleanup. Yeah, it's also, I guess, a little bit about a fear of the unknown and also just how every Pixar movie is about being a parent in some way, shape or form. (laughs) Why are you inserting politics into this apolitical kids film, John? I'm going to delete that. <laughs> get, a, get better material. <laughs> I mean, we just talked about the fact that villain prop, like literally the, the villainous action is to instead more heavily exploit the resource to the detriment yes. of others, including the natives. <laughs> trying to insist Monsters, Inc. is not political is like trying to insist Kikonia is not political. <laughs> it's know, about I'm, a subtle too. <laughs> I, I'm just, tr- I was trying to, I probably should I, have gone heavier on the comic book guy voice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Worst worst politics ever. (laughs) Worst politics ever. Hmm, Who's best at that? (laughs) You're actually pretty good at that, John. (laughs) Yeah, mine was just doing a nasal voice. Yours seemed to have a little bit stronger tone. Anyway, I think that's probably enough background on Monsters, Inc. If you haven't seen it, you should go see it. It's I wouldn't call it high tier Pixar, but it's still pretty damn good. Right. Top, you know, top six. I think it's charming at, uh, at the very least. Oh, yeah. Then the big monster, you the prequel, which is Animal House. It kind of reminds me of if you remember uh, the old Nickelodeon cartoon, Ah Real Monsters. It kind of reminds me of like a a lot of that. You couldn't convince me that someone in the staff wasn't a fan of that. Like, honestly, like I because I was a fan of Ah Real Monsters, that might have been one of the reasons why I was like, I don't want to go see this because I'm like, it's just a rip off of Ah Real Monsters. They're distinctly different, but they have they have like a certain similar artistic eye for weird monsters is what I would say. Hey, I like Mike Wazowski. And what's the name of the guy that uh, that had was holding the eyes? Oh, I get Crump. That's right. It's Crumb. It's K-R-U-M-M. I didn't even yes. watch the show that much. I remember way too much about Ickis, Oblina, the uh, mighty. Uh, shit, what was the uh, what was the angry teacher called? I have no idea. I don't remember anything about that. I just remember some of the designs. The Grumble. <laughs> the Grumble. That's right. Anyway, um, what do you say I was a kid of most types of animation, so I remember chunks of all of them. Oh, I got it really stupid in my head that I needed to be a Nickelodeon kid and that I couldn't like Disney. So, yeah, Monsters U is Animal House with the with a sports film attached into it. Uh, Monsters at Work is kind of an Interpol, which is kind of one half the office, one half what happens when suddenly your industry is obsolete. You just got out of college. Yeah, um, like uh, Monsters U is kind of weird because like it is one of those prequels where the purpose of the prequel is they got to learn how to do the thing that the first movie is going to solve. So like it is deeply weird to watch and definitely not as good as the first one. (laughs) Since they put in a couple, they put a couple winks at it too. Like what do like a laugh causes a door? Like it causes a light to shatter. Yeah. But I said, then I said, I still find monsters at work. I don't know if it's called it great, but I do love the idea that literally it's about a character who got a scares degree with a with an open ticket to Monsters Inc. And the first day he gets there, they're taking all the signs down. Oof, yeah. that's rough. 
So that's kind of fascinating. It's like it's fun world. It's I do consider that fun world building add on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's check in with uh, Enzo and Alice who are talking to Mickey and Riku. Yeah, Alice talking. Yep. What? We're too late. Yes, Evan would know about the replicas from his time as Vexen in the organization. He was recompleted like the rest of us, but he didn't regain consciousness. After Lee left, he must have woken and taken his leave. Aeolus here and Dylan went out and turned the whole town upside down to try to find him, but no Evan. Aeolus says nothing. <laughs> Shakes it, it's simply shaking his head. He's Sorry. just there to scowl. <laughs> That's no good. What about his research? Unfortunately, his work on the replicas was incomplete. There may still be documents around, but all of them from well before he made any significant progress. Do you have any idea where he might go? There's no place he could go now that he's human. He has no means of leaving this world. The dark corridors are beyond his faculties and mine now. But not everyone's. What if Evan was taken? Of course. The organization could also use the replicas. To fill out the ranks. We'd better go tell Master Yensid and Sora and the others, too. I don't know who you are. Well, yes, I do, Xehanort. <laughs> I have a certain set of skills with a keyblade. It may be a nightmare for your nobody kind. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> he was so, taken. Yeah. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> you, you notice... They're they're slightly worried about Evan is mostly because they're worried about his stuff. There's no indication yeah. they're worried about Evan's well-being. They're not worried about Evan's well-being, nor are they worried about like him as just a person, like how he's doing. They're, yeah, they're definitely just worried about the replicas. And that's it. Well, they've spent time with Evan, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ienzo was always a, just a little bit haughty, but Vexen was the one who was a huge dick. Yep. Ienzo was the smart kid, not really liking being told if he was wrong about things. Vexen was just the loud asshole mad scientist. <laughs> and then Zexion also like got high on weed and with his buddy Lexius and just ended up Dude, in the, basement the whole time. What if we made a person? <laughs> and what if we gave that person someone else's face? Would they be a different person? Dude, you're freaking me out. I'm not gonna be able to speak again. <laughs> <laughs> And then we cut to the Keyblade Graveyard. Can I just mention, we've at the Keyblade Graveyard, they've made a new set piece, which is just 13 large cylindrical pillars. Apparently, they didn't manage to put seats on them, but they've made, they've made the impractical meeting room out of stone. Yeah, they lost the chair room, so now they have to recreate it in the Badlands. I am going to be taking over the role of Saix for right now. Two figures stand in the throne room, both in black cloaks. A man with blue hair we've seen before speaks. Humanity is a precious gift, and yet you desire to return to the organization. Oh, yes, of course. One eradication at Axel's hands was enough to learn where not to place my trust. He gave you a second lease on life. He ripped me away from the one thing I care about. I don't require humanity. Give me my research. I must see it to fruition, no matter the cost. The replicas. Yes. <laughs> Soon they will replace, not just replicate. Given a heart, they can become just as real as any human. What excellent tidings. I would hate to think we invited you back to our ranks, only for you to fail to deliver our final vessel, Vexen. 
Just to confirm what just happened, what everyone was just talking about. <laughs> yeah. And Sax is like, don't comment. Uh, like, Sax is like, so many things I don't want to say to his face. Yeah. Like, God. He Sax is holding incre- back so much anger. <laughs> he, he almost seems incredulous that, that Evan would do this again. It's like, seriously, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm already evil here, and even I think this is kind of fucked up. <laughs> yep. Sax is just like, you sure you want to do this? Really? You? <laughs> this? Really? <laughs> and it's like, fuck, I'm stuck with him after all. Yep. Yeah. I was laughing a little bit about him trash talking Axel there, because <laughs> then it turns into, you know, trash talking his ex. Got to be really awkward no, there. Funny thing is, though, Syx actually seems to be trying to be boss for Axel. He gave you a lease on life, you know? No, he yep. sucks. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I realize my Vexen is sounds like in my head like I'm trying to do Mandark, but I think that fits anyways. It fits. <laughs> Part of the point of voice acting is making the character your own rather than just like trying to re- replicate other voices. So try to do Except that. for the fact he doesn't really have a because the Enzo doesn't really fit as the Dexter. Vexen just has such huge Mandark energy. <laughs> That's like so wrong. That's so wrong, but I like it. I just remember when the cartoon said the joke was he gave some names like I want to talk about my darkness and also the man I would become. So man dark. Wait, really? isn't that because yeah. he was also named Sue? B- Susan. Before? Susan. Yep. Because his parents were hippies and they want to yeah. give him. They literally said they want to give him a gender nonconforming name. Yeah. But then Dexter laughed in his face over it because he had long hair and it was in a dress. So he chooses man dark to. Yeah. To be talking. By the way. Wow. Basically because Dexter was being a toxic, um, not quite homophobe, but at least non non accepting. The guy he kind of caused his own villain to appear. Yep. I mean, that was a complete retcon in the late seasons when they changed the animation style, but it still happens. Interesting. I mean, the only like real story about Dexter and Mandark I remember like that was bigger than a single episode was that like multi-part series where they had all the different Dexters and different Mandarks across time it was actually uh, it was actually meant to be a finale movie ego trip and then they then they made a couple seasons after it mm-hmm. I think Tarkovsky might have left mm-hmm. yeah the it's kind of funny because Mandark did in fact start out as just kind of like a throwaway joke about the boy named Susan well no Mandark starred as literally Dexter's rival as originally mm-hmm. was he was just the better Dexter Oh. And then that and then after he after the whole DD debacle, he never was supposed to be better than Dexter again. He just kind of stuck around as a villain. Gotcha. OK. Anyway, let's get to Monstropolis. We fly our gummy ship to Monstropolis. And as we approach, there's another boss fight in space. The Dread Shark. I only bring this up because I have in my notes. It's really more of a snack than a shark. Snack like shark. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't get deleted, you're <laughs> I lose respect for you as an editor. I'm sorry. That is staying right where it is. It's not going to Anacostia Keep. That is staying right there. It's so In terrible. Fact, give me a better cut. I want to hear a better cut of that. Snack like shark. Do, 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 do. Snack like shark. Do, 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 do. Kill me. Thank you. I am going to cut me, kill me. And I'm going to put everything before this in Anacostia Keep. Now, why would I do that? That was content. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually managed to hear that song before. Wow. Matt, what sort of strange you've never lose the game energy do you have? <laughs> I once actually won the uh the Christmas music challenge one year. 
it was when I was in college and I didn't really go to many stores at the time, but I still won that challenge one time. Wait, what's the challenge? Is that the version with the uh, just the one song with the Mariah Carey version or I, I literally managed to not hear Christmas music all year. That's what I did less last year. Want to know how? By not going anywhere and <laughs> like not traveling at all for Christmas. <laughs> My favorite version of that is Whamageddon, where you have to make it all season without hearing last Christmas. Uh, hmm. I don't know. That was a little difficult. It's the last Christmas song. It's the one by Wham. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And with the movie named after this, we know the spoiler. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, don't you know that song? Like last. Have I been winning Wham this my whole life? Oh, you may have been. (laughs) The song really says, "I gave you my heart." So the movie title after that, the the male lead is actually a heart donor who gave the woman his heart. He's a ghost. Hmm. So if you knew the song, you knew something, the, the something twist. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart and then it turned into a nominee. That's terrible. <laughs> and now I am a nobody. <laughs> or what I- This year, to keep from tears, I'll give it to some rocks special. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's go to Monstropolis. This is getting this silly. Is sh- this is shameful. This yes. is amazing. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so we open up at the Scare Factory, Monsters, Inc., as Sora, Doll, and Goofy approach. This time, Donald's magic has turned the trio into horrifying CGI monsters. The first thing I have in my notes here is, wow, Sora's monsters form is dangerously furry, colon well, yeah. three. I mean, he's a fuzzy cat goblin monster. He's wearing his vest with no shirt and no pants, might I add. He's got a little scaly tail and it's kind of has the muzzle thing going and the and his hair is gonna bat winged over his eye. Yeah, his face is very colon three. I need to point out that yeah, um when I say horrifying CGI monsters, I don't mean freakish facsimiles, I just mean uh monsters ink type designs. Yeah. McDonald managed to turn himself into some sort of blue horned one-eyed thing with it kind of looks like he has little fangs in his beak. And Goofy mm-hmm. just kind of a green googly eye. Yeah. <laughs> <a> duck clops. <laughs> Sora's freaked out by the appearance of his friends and they scare each other when they see each other. Sora's really unnerved here. It's kind of amazing. Seriously, is this how we blend in here? That's right. It's about time you cut on. <laughs> and World of Chaos was a terrifying giant amalgamation of parts, but this is too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> I I just after everything he's been through, Halloween Town didn't scare him this much. Oh, no. (laughs) He was actually horny for Halloween Town. Well, no, he was horny for Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Sora needs some time to decompress, maybe see like a guidance counselor talk about all his uh, things. That just so he can kind of realign his life. Because I think he's confused. (laughs) Like Riku's never had to be transformed by going to different worlds, apart from that one time he went to Tron. (laughs) (laughs) That's just he's not hanging out with Donald. True. Is this just like an elaborate prank by Donald? I have no idea, but Goofy thinks they look fun. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's just so unnerved. The the three the other two are just actually kind of really amused. Yep. Yeah. Sora wonders what kind of weirdos live here as we read the factory slogan. We scare because we care as the title card from Monstropolis drops. I like that they actually appear to have um, scaffolding there because they do take that that sign down. Oh, yeah. Um, like it's very shortly after the end of the movie, right? 
Well, is the idea depend the the end of the movie? Like the movie ends with a small skip forward with Sully as CEO and the laugh floor, right? And then at the end, like Mike arranged a surprise, which was clearly say a door for him to visit Boo. Mm-hmm. Like the last times are going, Kitty, Kitty, <laughs> and they apply that this is like a play date they're having. Like they just took her out of a room that night. Oh no! <laughs> so yes, like so it's very, so it is after it, and most likely like within twelve hours if we accept that. Okay. So we go into the lobby where Sora, Doll, and Goofy see a horrifying CGI abomination being played with by two monsters. <laughs> I mean, come on. Early Pixar designs by Monsters, Inc., they're not so bad anymore. True, true. It's not like we're talking about Sid from Toy Story, which is actually trauma-inducing. <laughs> I mean, Boo has the advantage that she kind of only has to have a couple expressions and not talk much. So there's not a lot of lip sync insanity, but... Yeah. And if you look at a still picture of her, it's not the best thing to look at, but it's better. Didn't they like get an actual small child to do the voice of Boo and they just use the voice clips uh, Mm -hmm. for her for for this game as well? (laughs) Yes. By the way, interesting trivia fact. They uh, they took some of the archive footage uh, audio and and cut it in the toddler Riley Anderson inside out. So Mary Gibbs gets credited for two movies before she was even verbal, really. Neat. I just hope they don't do anything weird with it with AI. (laughs) Sooner or later, we're going to go inside a heart. It's going to be inside out, right? Oh, no. And, but there's going to be some sort of horrible nobody emotion. If that happens in Kingdom Hearts 4. Oh, no. I think that would be cool if they did it right. It I, just, I just keep waiting for it. It would be cool. Um, and there's just I don't want to think about that right now. Let's go on with this world. <laughs> I just say that Sora will probably have at least three joys and only two other emotions, maybe. <laughs> um, I think it would be like how all the emotions in the dad in uh our ang- our anger colored our anger anger colored and all the what is it all the moms are what uh discussed i forget well it's what? actually the bus driver they're all the bus driver are all angers the dad has anger in charge and the mom has right it's who is in charge that's the idea except for that except for the bus driver who snapped what was the dog again i forget what the dog's uh things were oh no it's like oh food we must get the food they're all just kind of sniffing at the controller and the cat was just yeah the cats are just sort of like messing with the entire (laughs) they're not even they're not even doing like they're they're ignoring it until one of them pause that the cat flips out yeah like that is a great ending sequence matt have you seen inside out i have not seen inside out i will need to get you to watch inside out it is probably one of the best pixar movies hands down especially since people kind of thought they were on a slump before that too so Mm -hmm. I haven't been as big on Pixar recently, but Inside Out, great A. Amazing movie. Was Turning Red Pixar or DreamWorks? That was Pixar, and it was probably their last really good movie. Mm. I didn't even finish Luca. We actually got bored and shut off halfway through. Oh, no, I I like I didn't get a chance to watch Luca, but I like it wasn't bad, but nothing was being surprising. And I'm pretty sure I knew where the rest of the plot was going. Okay, it was a very nice like Italian travelogue, but it wasn't really catching me as a movie. Anyway, our team is freaked out by everything, but then Boo shouts, Boo! But yeah, we've already discussed this is definitely after the movie. It's kind of funny that Mike comes up at us terrified that we're going to report to the authorities who starts babbling things. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, Code 835. I, can anyone here do a Billy Crystal-ish voice? I'm not going to try. <laughs> yeah. Boo sees Don- Donald and immediately points at him and shouts, Mike Wazowski! Yep, which offends Mike. And it, I guess it's because Donald has the one big eye. Yep, yep. Yeah, Boo's a two-year-old. Object permanence is still still being learned. Yep. 
It is a very cute introductory cutscene that is very rudely interrupted by some very edgy monsters. Goofy goes, oh, no, the heartless. I have my notes. Boy, Goofy, I sure wish they were. I love that, by the way, Sora looks, no, that's the wrong brand on them. Heartless yeah. are very big on their branding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we got to fight a bunch of Unverse. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. Unverse back. Tell Warn, your friends. Warn your friends. Warn your friends. Yep. <sighs> we do have some new Unverse, though. We Oh, yeah. Uh, they're funny so, because they look more like Dream Eaters to me. OK, so, yeah, let's talk about them. Yeah, I would say these Unverse looked like Dream Eaters with slight heartless elements to them, like to make them a yeah. little darker. And honestly, it starts to work. Oh, yeah. So the floods are back. They work a bit better now that they're not like uh, jittery animation. Like the animation style that they have here is a lot better. They're still not great. They're definitely not shadow level. But then there's the Spikes Turtle Toad, the Turtle Toad, and the Flower Snake. And you can tell me these are heartless, and I believe you. The Turtle Toads are hilarious. Like, there's these there's these giant frog-faced hermit crab things. I don't know, something about the shell just screams hermit crab, because it doesn't quite yeah. conform like a turtle shell quite the same. They're actually pretty dangerous in critical mode. Oh, well, yeah. they're they're large mini-boss types. Like, they're, they're tanks that jump around pretty big. Yeah, critical mode, they are pretty lethal if you're not careful. Um, they, also got, they also got long range leaf tentacles. Yep. Yeah, they're doing their best Bulbasaur impression. <laughs> Bulbasaur! Mm, blue Basaurs. I loved Bulbasaur. But that was my starter. So good. <laughs> That's one thing you and Rob agree upon. It's the only Pokemon he bothers to remember the name of. But it's easy to remember Pokemon names. It's the only one he cares about, so. I can't name them all off the top of my head, but I could probably do a pretty good job if he just showed me pictures. I'd be able to remember most of them. Well, you know that people our age and older apparently are relatively likely to have a part of their brain specifically dedicated to recognizing Pokemon. That's a good point. I'm not as strong at later generations, mostly because less repetition in my memory is all. Uh, anyway, after the fight, we all celebrate and then Donald remembers what they were. So Sora gets to learn about what happened in Birth by Sleep. Well, it's kind of goofy going. I remember the king told us something about negative emotions. And Donald just jumps in with, unversed. Unversed. <laughs> oh, yeah, those. Yep. Uh, Mike and Sully are justifiably confused. So the team makes a bullshit about being exterminators to paper things over and protect the order. Hi, do you have horrible monsters appearing out of thin air? Call us the Keyblade Sweepers and we'll take care of it. Don't worry about kids getting scared on our watch. <laughs> Something about Matsu's thing makes you want to make cheesy commercials for everything. I believe it. That make, that works. I could definitely see Sully and and Mike doing like public access commercials <laughs> for their power factory thing. Oh, yeah. Sully decides to send Boo home first and then we're all teaming up nice and easy. Like, yeah, and Mikey says we have to postpone our play dates. <laughs> yep. It's off to the lap floor with us and we get a bit more information of lap energy. And in fact, like, um, so there's a lot of canisters around in this area that if you hit them, like you hear child laughter pop out of them as they go flying around like a helium canister that is releasing uh, children laughter. It's kind of weird. If I say with just a little bit adjustment to the atmosphere, if they want to, that would be terrifying. Yes. <laughs> like you're in a dark room, you bump into something, you hear laughing and then something flies out of the air at you. It's literally canned laughter. God damn it. God damn it. God fucking damn it. I feel like you're about to bring it to a T to slap for that, John. Yeah. 
And then we also learn that laughter is 10 times more powerful than fear. I have my notes. I wonder how this is going to parallel the Kingdom Hearts themes. <laughs> Goofy argues that the the gummy ship is powered by laughter, but I think that's just that whole thing where they're telling Sora no sad faces. Yeah. Uh, or Chip so, and Dale have something to explain. Well, um, I mean, so they said that their ship runs on smile power back in Kingdom Hearts 1, as I recall, right? Yeah. No sad faces. No sad faces. Oh, sad faces. <laughs> Dear Donald. Dear Donald, how do you cast magic with boxing gloves on? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, the answer is deleted. <laughs> Duck-leated. Duck-leated. Mora <laughs> <sighs> and Verse are making a mess on the laugh floor when we get there, using portal doors and interrupting cutscenes. I saw a thing, I think, yesterday online where people were talking about some of the stuff in this world, and apparently there are doors here that go to other worlds in Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, you can see them? Yeah, if you like, if there's a cutscene where they are opening up doors and you can look inside and like if you look at it very briefly, you'll see like Arendelle or Toy Box and or things like that. You feel like you feel like the org probably should have secured this world then because that's valuable. Yeah. Whose <laughs> yeah. door goes along a trap to the depths? We got to fight some more Unverse. And I think they're teamed up with Heartless now at this point, right? Yeah, there's some like by, you're getting Heartless Fury Unverse. I have to say Unverse kind of makes sense this time around for being. Oh, yeah. Like, because they're negative emotion monsters, even though just one angry boy's negative emotions, it, it, yeah. it's a good theme with Monsters, Inc. Yeah, th- this is this is the perfect place for Vanitas and the Unverse to show up, period. Yep. Spoiler. <laughs> but I mean, OK, if you've played Birth by Sleep and you see Unverse, you're just like, oh, Vanitas is back. OK. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I don't know why. I just feel like Vanitas is such an idiot. I would make fun of him. Like, this could be freaking Danhausen. Oh, <laughs> It's oh, it's it's you, Dark Helmet Boy. <laughs> it, it it's Vanitas. Yes, that's why I said Vanny S. And these are your ass oh. first. <laughs> Thank you. For the ass first. <laughs> Thank you. A narrow number of AEW fans or other wrestling fans will get that, and I don't care. Vanny S and the ass first. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is the moment I heard that song when I was asking Jared about wrestling themes for planning out the season, I was just like, oh, this is for Vanitas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first theme I think of was a joke theme that one, one wrestler used to make fun of other ones, clearly ribbing backstage as she was being used in kayfabe as an actual mockery. <laughs> anyway, let's go on. After the fight, Mike accesses the doors that we got a ride down to the door vault. Before we go, there's a couple of interesting lucky emblems in this area. There's one underneath a punching clown. And one drawn on a clipboard at one of the laugh desks. Yeah. So we hop on the door and ride off on them. And there's something invisible watching us. As we leave, the monster appears. It's Randall. Why is he allowed to do things? <laughs> well, remember, they kicked the fuck out of their worlds, not just oh, yeah. out of the job. Yeah. How did he get back here? Who knows? We'll know soon. I think. <laughs> so we get this funny uh, little sequence where we ride the doors and shoot magic at heartless bells that are trying to knock us off the doors. We get a few of those in the game. They always try to do these rail grind, like a shooting galleries. They don't always work for me, but they're pretty fun. This one is probably the best one of those. Because you have the option to drop kind of, down behind the door for. Color. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's also a new heartless in this area. The Marine Rumba. 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 Rumba, Rumba or Rumba? No, it's a Rumba because it's not sucking up the garbage. I mean, 
Okay, yeah, it's washing stuff. So after the first rail grind, there's a force fight where you have to make Boo laugh to charge a door. It's really just like uh, fight enough so that uh, Boo finds things funny. And then like, yeah, it's unclear how the laugh meter works. But once we fill it up, we get to do the limit break scream strike, which paralyzes enemies into bullying pins to be bowled over by Mike. It's like and- they all just kind of yell and pose together. All five monsters like kind of freeze line up. Yeah, they also they all go rar, which is not yeah. doing anything to to dissuade the theory that Sora is a furry here. I mean, it makes more sense than what Orlumbus does with boiling with bowling. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, anyway, and then Sully pitch, uh, actually grabs Mike and bowls him into the enemies. I thought it was yeah. Sora that did it this time. Was it Sora? I thought it was Sully. Either way, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, after we win this little fight, we upgrade fire to Fira and that delights Boo and we get to charge the door. Yay, fire. Ooh, is delighted by fire. <laughs> you're going to have you're going to have some problems with this kid in the near future. I think. Yeah, probably. I mean, here's the thing. She is very entranced by the idea of going to other worlds and hanging out with monsters. So. You sure he's a guy protagonist? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's a bit more talk about, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so there's a bit more rail grinding. We can go back to the higher platforms behind us and find an interesting lucky emblem, which is which is like so you go out to look at a bunch of doors uh, lined up on the wall and most of them are blue. But there's also an arrangement of yellow ones that make a giant Mickey head just up on the wall. It is one of my favorites in this game. It's really good to see. Also, here is the banana fantastic flan. The banana requires you to dodge the big flan as it tries to bore Sora while taking out smaller flans. I actually got you to say it by writing it down. Ha ha ha. My my devious plan worked. Just well, no. We're not re- reviewing Bofuri, so. <laughs> A score of 20,000 gets you the Grand Magic Extender ability. And I solved this by using Ever After Form Change and Shot Locks. I just bowled through it with the Ultima weapon on my current critical mode th- playthrough because I'm doing it with New Game Plus. We find Boo's door back down in the door vault. And Sully runs through the te- rest of the team close behind. Randall follows, slipping in after us. I think you're actually missing what he did here. Boo's door has distinct patterns on it, like flower stickers on it. Randall faked those. So we run through a door that's actually blank because he was clinging to it. And so he was making the design. I didn't actually miss that. <laughs> it looks like Boo's door. I know. I'm saying it's not actually Boo's door. I just think it's interesting that we missed that. It's because he's clinging to it. You think he'd feel the huge lizard guy on it, but whatever. Uh, so we find out that we're in the wrong place, where Randall mocks us mostly so Sora can learn what his deal is. Uh, and find out that he was brought back from his banishment thanks to someone from the real Organization 13. Randall Which, claims that negative emotions are more sustainable because if you make a kid sad, he's go- they're going to be sad forever. That's... I'm going to bring back those beautiful scares. Wow. Beautiful, clean screams. No. Yeah, fair. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Okay. (laughs) Uh. I'm still keeping it in. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so this sets up the actual like level part of this level where we got to find a way out of this factory back to the uh, door vault. So it's let's go through that factory. There's some new heartless in here. The pogo shovel. Can I just say that Randall is apparently set up just this massive saw-like trap field of conveyor belts, random oh, yeah. fights, dangerous machinery. It's insane. Lasers. He has turned the factory into a saw place. Yeah. With no saws, actually. 
Also, the whole time you're going through this place, Randall is just kind of vamping at you through the PA. Yeah, he's he's doing his best. What's a uh, what, what is the what is it? Showdown from System Shock Two? Is that what it is? Showdown <laughs> the uh, no, that's yeah. System Shock Two. I thought Showdown was your alley. Somebody else was a jerk. I have no idea. I don't play those games because they're bad. Mm. Uh, the original System Shock was actually pretty fun, but I I, don't know. I am. I am being my usual shit posty yeah. self. <laughs> I, I do know the look at you hacker uh, quote, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what you're thinking of. I imagine. Yes. It's a massive gauntlet of all this crazy stuff. We get to do some six slides with bullet time to avoid lasers and shoot debris out of conveyor belts. There's this wonderful little exchange <laughs> as part of like, I think it's just like a overworld talk. I can see a device in that cage up there. Yeah, let's smash it. Settle down. I'm going to wreck it. <laughs> I'm going to wreck it. <laughs> I can fix it. Uh, so there's an interesting lucky emblem near the elevator. There's a paint splatter on the ground. Is that like the point where the characters literally paint themselves blue and purple yes. when they blue laugh? Yes. yes. That is, in fact, exactly what happens right there is uh, they have to paint themselves in weird colors to make blue laugh, which allows us to power up the elevator. I was very confused for a minute or two before I realized, oh, they're making Boo laugh in order to power up the elevator. Yeah, it's a bit unclear in that cutscene direction, as I recall. As to what, like, the, goal well, what happens is Mike whispers to Sully, he was, that's a great idea. Mike didn't expect Sully to snag him and drag him along. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the top of the elevator. What if I get Boo- paint in my eye? I don't think he I don't even think he says that. I know, but I think that's his his uh, his complaint. Boo runs ahead and plays hide and seek in the pipe room. One pipe breaking and washes us off because we aren't going to have this color on us the whole time. What the fuck are you talking about? I mean, it's it's just a Mike and Sully, but Uh Uh, the factory stuff like this continues for a while. Like it honestly doesn't uh, do much differently through the entire case. It's just kind of a it's just kind of a gauntlet of a, a yeah. relatively nice, solid one with the stories not being too intrusive. But there is a, yeah. quite a bit of it. Yep, it's a it's the thing is that this is one of those really linear le- levels. But yeah. Unlike Kingdom of Corona, this one doesn't seem to drag. I don't understand what the difference is that much. I think it's got a reasonably good balance of random things happening. Like Sora's first plan when the machine doesn't work is try to smash it and they stop him. <laughs> and I think it also isn't like trying to just retell movie scenes is another thing that makes it feel like less of a drag. Yeah, that's and true. A, and, and it's got slightly tighter environments. And since you're only going one direction, it means you're not being wandered around a big forest as much. Mm-hmm. You're getting a little bit of side content, but you're not doing these dumb time wasters with uh, mm-hmm. Rapunzel with casting arrow on dandelions and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, at the end of the factory, Randall shows up to ruin the mood with a robot. More, it's just more of a pile of potential robots, I'd say. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't activate, so he scurries off and we keep going on our way. They kind of make fun of him for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that robot doesn't work. What are you talking about? Go away, Randall. You suck. We hate you. <laughs> like that kind of mood. <laughs> yep. Then a cloak guy shows up after we leave and a bunch of black slime covers the robot, causing it to become an unversed. <laughs> yep. It takes the cloak guy to make it work. Yep. Uh, so we're going to take the power plant route back to the door vault. Let's describe this outdoor area a bit, because like there's a bit there's some interior and there's some exterior sections. It's kind of cool looking. It's all taking place at night. Yeah. Like basically now someone started firebombing the outside. Oh, yeah. 
there's some fun bits of helicopters dropping in guys in hazmat suits to deal with fires. Yeah, this, the CDA, the Child Detection Agency, apparently is now just being all-purpose disaster uh, relief first responders. Yeah, there's an area full of fire and monsters. We get Watera for clearing them out. I was playing this and John was watching the other day and John was like, I never really used any of the water spells. And he was watching me do it and I'm clearing out big clusters of enemies with Watera. And he's just like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Water is very good. Water is an extremely mm. good spell. People use it. Uh, anyway, there's an interesting lucky emblem here in the power plant area. There's an arrangement of pipes that you have to find by climbing up in through one of the little storage areas. And another fight cleaning up fires gets us the pride heart binder to be able to summon Simba. Simba's the only link so far I've had much success with. It's one of the better ones. I keep accidentally triggering the dream eaters. Like I just somehow I hit it by accident over and over. Uh, I think the Simba one is just kind of just easy to grok because it doesn't yeah. require you to do anything. It's just kind of, oh, you have a button to cause a big self-centered AOE and you have a button to kind of do a pounce forward with a, yeah. with a small AOE around when you when you land. Absolutely right. I do kind of wonder when Simba turned to a burnish. <laughs> That's terrible. We weren't able to talk about Primar. <laughs> <laughs> a pipe explodes further in, blocking our way, and Boo helps us find a path through the cooling tank. Did we send the child ahead of us? Oh. I guess so. I don't quite remember. <laughs> and another unverse fight gets us the triple rush ability, which I think is one of the finishing moves that you have, Asura. Yes. When we make it back to the door vault entrance, we find a trail of black goop. We're about to head in to look for Boo's real door, but Randall decides it's time to be a killjoy again. You really think that you see black goop, you should at least be paying attention in a yeah, probably. So much darkness problems. It could just be oil, though. There's plenty of oil spills around in this burning mm. factory thing. But anyway, uh, an unverse spill appears on the pile of junk and it scares Boo. And the black goop takes the form of a giant unverse with machinery parts as a new version of the birth by sleep boss fight theme plays. I have my notes. Hmm. What was it? What was it called? I never looked it up. Guess I forgot. Looks up. Unforgettable, Unfor huh? <laughs> I like your notes are just you mocking yourself. Yeah. Yes, I love mocking myself in my notes. It's clearly clearly you didn't get it memorized. <laughs> well, Axel wasn't here to remind him. Exactly. <laughs> Lee, you're, Lee, you're slacking, man. So this boss fight is called the Lump of Horror. I have in my notes. Hey, who put this birth by sleep boss in my Kingdom Hearts 3? It's kind of a weird cycling phases boss. I don't know what it is that made me think it was very birth by sleep in its design. Being unversed? Apart from being an unverse, uh, I'm talking about like the actual flow of the fight reminded me of birth by sleep for some reason. Like it switches between ground monster and, and giant wing tower monsters, I recall. Yeah. Yeah. My winning strategy involved blocking his basic attack pattern, building up mirage staff and then spamming dash illusions to spam magic attacks. I, I mostly just bashed him up while dodging and blocking and using shot blocks and magic attacks when I had him. Do you remember anything what you did, Jared? Honestly, this one, I don't really remember. I think I tend to try to rush down bosses at this point because I was getting frustrated with like kind of delays. Mm, gotcha. Well, so winning this fight gets you the Cura spell. Boy, this world leveled up three of our magics. Neat. It's a very magical place. Yes, the factory of monster stuff. <laughs> After the fight, the lump of horror melts away and Randall is furious. We end up seeing a door covered in weird cracks that glow purple. Yep. It seems like the cloak guy probably fixed that door. So Mike and Sully work out a way to chuck Randall through the door and banish him again. If, if I did, it's not even, even chuck him through. They just sort of, 
here's your door, buddy. Like when Mike, when Sully glares him down. Well, yeah, they the kind roar. of catch him, I guess. They they do their scare pose and he kind of instantly surrenders, I guess. Yeah. Sully considers destroying the door, but Soren says I presume it's played. because Sully's four times his size as massive claws. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sully is probably the most actually physically intimidating of all the monsters in the in the whole place, it seems. If you want, I would say that the original, the other villain in the original movie, his boss is about as big as him and wider. So it's pretty impressive on his own water noose. Mm. Anyway, I feel like it's kind of fucked up that Sora seals with a keyblade, and I don't know why. Well, I think it's because Randall's being beaten by angry Cajuns who thinks he's a gator. That we—that's what we hear happening. Yep. Yeah, and and it's like. Is the implication here that Sora's just like completely sealing off a way to this world that these people are in and there's no way out? And it seems like there's just portals all over the world. He's just closing off this one. Mm-hmm. So he'd have to find a different one to come back. Yeah. I mean, like like literally happened in the uh, in the movie that to find the Apollo Snowman's door. Mm-hmm. Back at the left floor, we find Boo's door and are about ready to send her home. But then a hooded figure approaches. One thing that I thought was really funny about this just before we do this is that we spent the entire world trying to get Boo back home before we actually took care of all the problems. And we just ended up taking care of all the problems while Boo is with us. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Well, you can argue it's been a full night for her anyway, so. True. Who are you? Gotta say, that strange facade had me fooled at first, brother. Wait a sec. Oh yeah, you were at the cathedral. And hey, who are you to call anyone strange? Say, do we know this guy? Ah, uh, We haven't ever met in the flesh. I am Vanitas. This is the part where you spout some mumbo-jumbo and disappear, right? This whole world was powered by Scream. They converted the screams of human children into energy. And this very company was what made it all happen. It's as rich a source of negative emotion as we'll ever find. For the last time, we already stopped doing that. Did you? Then how do you explain all these canisters of surplus scream? He ends up holding the canister up in one hand and juggling it. This facility was everything I could hope for. And I was lucky enough to find a pawn whose heart was darkened by the thoughts of revenge. You mean Randall. All Randall ever cared about was winning. And this guy looked took advantage of that weakness. And my heart is made of just one thing. And the Unverse collected enough screams and sadness for those children to reconstruct it. Yeah, and the whole time they were trashing our company in the process. But even with all this negative emotion, my heart is still incomplete. I need something else. Whoa. They nearly hit him with a canister of, of screams. Sully dodges, dragging off Mike and Boo. Half of me that sleeps on inside of your heart. Vanitas. Sora's shocked by his own voice there. Yep. Ventus, what a strange place to sliver off to, you insignificant speck. What are you talking about? Oh, you wouldn't remember. When you were little, you formed a special bond with a boy named Ventus who joined with your heart. Van! Is he saying that one of the missing Keyblade wielders is inside Sora's heart? How is that possible? The mist starts to swirl around them. Now... You will return Ventus to me. Zavinia swings the keyblade and this and the dark wind seems to be pulling at Sora's heart. He's almost falls to the ground as the others shield him from the front. Donald, Goofy. Goofy stands holding p- p- back to darkness with his shield. 
The king told us about this. Ventus wasn't able to defeat Vanitas. They struck each other down, and then the king said Ventus's heart never returned to him. You're not going to do that to Sora. No way. Stay out of this. With a swipe of his arm, Donald and Goofy are blasted away by darkness. Sora! Vinius knocks down Sora as he tries to summon his keyblade, and he aims his own at Sora's chest with Ventus's heart appearance over Sora's once again. Join your heart with mine! Vinius flares up darkness, but as it fades, a massive form appears behind him. Made you look. Yep. Sorry. Sully roars at him, basically. <laughs> Just there's a massive roar with Boo covering her eyes and Mike covers her ears. Vinius is so startled. They draw his keyblade. Sully grabs him and lifts him up in both his massive paws. Let me go. Mike brings in several doors. Over here, Sully. And so Sully actually throws him into the open door just flings him through it. Yeah, just flings him right through it. Close it, quick! Then they start going, and they they take the door and throw it through another door, and they do that a few times, and then instantly shred the last door. <laughs> Such an amazing moment in Kingdom Hearts history. It's like, chomp, 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 fling, slam, chomp, 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 fling. And with some fun switches of camera angles to make it more dynamic and silly. There's a popular name for it that we're not going to use here because although we are using strong bad voice for Donald, we are not total hacks. <laughs> Do you have a problem with edgy assholes in your factory? We just listen to this simple phrase. Put a Vanitas through a door. <laughs> put a Vanitas through a door. Your problems will be solved as soon as you put a Vanitas through a door. What happens on the other side of the door? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> This is just a public access alerts. I just I just love that Sully and Mike actually get a chance to be, I think, as genuinely heroic as as Disney characters get to be in Kingdom Hearts. This is like yeah. something that like actually getting rid of something as powerful as Vanitas is something a lot of Disney characters couldn't even think of doing. Yes. <laughs> Woody had his really impressive standoff and that was great. Mm-hmm. But Sora and friends were still part of actually repulsing the villain itself. Vanitas had Sora dead the rights and Donald and Goofy are down. Sully mm-hmm. actually saves them. I still like to imagine that Vanitas was pointing at the Keyblade Mania sign before he was thrown into that one door, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vanitas had his villain run on, but he got repulsed by security. Yeah. <laughs> Even Sora kind of mentions mentions that. What's that line? Yeah. This is the part where you spout some mumbo jumbo and disappear while pointing at the Keyblade Mania sign, right? No, this is the part where I, sh- I kill the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. Th- like, this is my, that's one of my favorite things about Sora in this game is just like how aware of the pattern he's starting to become. Phineas <laughs> <laughs> is just a, a, just a rambling asshole here, just bragging about negative emotions and being a dick. Yeah. But he actually is being kind of practical. He's like, no, I'm just going to stab. The, I'm going to do this stab the fuck out of you, plan. I think it's going to go well. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, at, back at the entrance, Sora apologizes for all the trouble, and we have a cute little send-off scene where everyone jokes at each other. Our team definitely didn't cause any problems in the world order at all in this escapade. Yeah, well, you know, Mike's Mike's kind of unobservantly dopey about things that aren't his job. And Sully's kind of like, yeah, I, I think things are OK. I don't need to pry too hard. Yep. So Sully just kind of is kind of the de facto ruler of this world at this point. 
And so he, he's a company CEO, but so yeah. That's yeah, that's a bit much calling him a ruler, but he's, a, he's in charge. Mean? He's in charge of this building. Yes. Yeah. Which which is the world as far as we're concerned in here. Oh shit. And, <laughs> and the world so ends I'm, with the exit of the factory. Yep. But I was ju- I just meant that more or less if anyone can be trusted to keep a secret about the nature of the worlds, it's Sully right now. Wait, they probably already know. They probably already know about the other worlds since they have the doors. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, um, we get the Happy Cure Keyblade. This is one of my favorites. It's really cool. Uh, Its form changes are the Agile Claws and the Twin Yo-Yos. Yeah. And the sword goes full big monkey paw hands and just slash through everything and then just turns into huge yo-yos that he just that he just swings. And then it turns into a giant like munching gear when it hits its uh, finish. Mm hmm. Uh, the shot locks are snake bite and warp trick. These play up the yo-yo aspect of it. Warp trick in particular is pretty hilarious because like you're you're shooting the yo-yos through portals in all directions. I was kind of laughing a little bit about some of the characters in here because one of the the Moogle photo quests that you get for the workshop is to take a picture of a CDC agent, which is the guys in the CDA? hat suits. CDA or or CDA, yeah. It's Child Detection Agency, not yeah. Center for Disease Control. <laughs> yeah. Which, well, they kind of, that's kind of what their goal is, is they assume humans are infectious. Good point, Always yeah. love the old monsters have been doing it so long, they think it's a bubonic plague, arguments. Back in the gummy ship, the team considers their next move. But Sora's like, you know, let's just go to the realm of darkness. Like, no, you really shouldn't do that. Donald and Goofy put the kibosh on that real quick. Because, let's let's all say it together, Sora needs... You need the power of waking. Power of waking. Like... And that's kind of like a recurring theme in all these little side things is like, Sora, I'm going to go do the thing. And everyone's like, no, you need the power of waking, Sora. We're not. We're, nothing we're doing is actually solving that. Shut up and keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, Sora's like, OK, maybe we'll call Riku and Mickey then. And then we get a gummy call. They actually were telling him not to. You have to do your job first and not pester them. Yeah, they they Donald and Goofy kind of point out that that Riku and Mickey will just tell you that you need the power of waking too. By the way, I also love that Jimmy's like Sora. Do you even know how to get to the realm of darkness? Good question. <laughs> I mean, that's why he's calling Riku and Mickey. But I just love that everyone is pointing out Sora's being dumb. Yeah, Riku won't tell Riku and Mickey won't tell you where the realm of darkness is until you have the power of waking, you idiot. Yeah, but no, they call a call and they're really excited, hoping it's Riku and Mickey, but they get the Enzo. Everyone's disappointed to see Enzo. Oh, wouldn't you be? Yeah. <laughs> Enzo's here to deliver a whole bunch of exposition. Yep. He found some more information about Ansem's code and the Roxas replica and how they've even found Evan's research. They even even they found Evan's research. Evan, they found Evan's research. Ah. Yep. And even then, Enzo fills in Sora on an interesting. Evan, then. Found it. God damn it. You spelled it that way. <laughs> I mean, no, I didn't spell it that way. Fucking Tesla spelled it that way. Yeah, that's just how even that's just how Evan spelled. <laughs> Ienzo also fills Sora in on an interesting passage in Ansem's note about the three unique hearts inside Sora. We can we learned if we can unite the hearts with the memories and provide a body for the hearts, all three hearts can be made real again. Sora has completely forgetting the scene he just went through, has no idea why there's a third heart, who is it might be. Is he thinking about like uh 
Well, he he absolutely assumes one of them is Roxas, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, no, it's Roxas. actually yeah, it's Roxas and two more. But he didn't yeah, even think yeah. of it. He said, and he knows one of them is Roxas. He's pretty sure now one of them is going to be Ventus, but he doesn't know who the third one is. I think he, he thinks it's probably Nomine, but Goofy actually's like, it's got to be Ventus. And I was like, you're going to believe Vanitas? <laughs> mm. And but then who's the third heart? I wonder who is she on? Yeah, <laughs> this scene they don't have any guesses. Yeah. Back in the Dark Meridian, Ansem the Wise and Aqua have their own little chat. What do we want to say about this scene? Well, you know, Ansem the Wise is kind of still being kind of moldering and depressed. Mm-hmm. Continuing to say, look, they insist on just having his cloak. You see half his face that like they're really proud of that shader. Mm-hmm. Also, is this happening contemporaneously or is this kind of in the past? It has to be happening relatively contemporaneously because of who shows up. I will say there's sort of a sometime seems to have passed. So maybe the first part happened early. But then after sort of a quick discussion, Aqua saying she thinks someone's waiting for her here. Anyway, let's get to the scene. Who's there? And they turn around and they, of course, see Ansem Seeker Darkness showing up. You. Master, I must have a word with you. Master. So now you mock me. Do you recall those experiments of the heart you bade me cease? Among those test subjects was a girl. She had lost her memory, just as I had. But you can reconstruct memories. You did with Sora. I believe that you have seen the girl's memories. What is your question? Where did you put the girl? What girl? Very well. If you won't tell me here. Aqua knocks him away from reaching for answer the wise and stands between them. I think you should go. A lost guardian of light. You will wait here for the king and his fool. He calls his guardian as a shit burns to the ground. It, it punches Aqua away. Where's your keyblade? Don't need it. She does a, a full rider kick in the dark figure's face, mm-hmm. jumps off its arm, but it grabs my leg and, and it picks her up. No more. I'll go. <laughs> you are wise. Aqua breaks free, going for a Hurricane Rama, but just manages a spinning kick on his face, but it's blocked. Poor thing. I mustn't leave you with nothing. Energy begins to swirl around between the dark figure's hands as a massive orb of darkness emerges. At the apex, the orb bursts from the figure's chest, striking Aqua at high speed, sending her screaming into the murky waters. As Aqua sinks deep into the water, darkness spreads over her heart. What is this feeling? And that's where we leave them. There's one little bit of info in there that is kind of important that is uh, not touched on very much. It's the girl. Who is this girl? Because <laughs> I don't think it's Kyrie. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be kind of strange if it was with the context we're getting. Yeah. Are they talking about Namine? No. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. This is something that happened during Ansem the Wise's research but when he was working with Xehanort. This is essentially new data that we have not seen before. Like, this is the first mention of this girl in the series. You're punching your desk again. 
Uh, I have a theory on who this girl is that I will not be able to talk about until the completion episode. (laughs) That's all I needed to say about that. Yeah, we're going to go a little bit further this week just because the strapless is a nice is a nice, quiet little story. Yeah, this next one's kind of like tiny. Back on the gummy ship, we get another call. And Dale tells us that Chip has a message from Merlin for us. Ah, Christ. Yep. Here Merlin. we go. <laughs> Merlin has said it's time to put kids in a book again. He's having tea put somewhere. Put a kid in a book. Put a kid. <laughs> Throw a kid in a book. Yes. <laughs> Goofy has a galaxy brain moment and suggests that he must be at Little Chef's restaurant because if you wanted tea, wouldn't you want to go to the very best place you know? That is a very galaxy brain thought. If you've done six impossible things for breakfast, why not go to the restaurant at the end of the universe? <laughs> so, back in Twilight Town, we find Merlin. I have in my notes, sup Merlin, narrows eyes suspiciously. Merlin asks what brings out here, besides the finest tea this side of Big Ben, of course. And then an alarm bell goes off in my brain. Tea. Merlin is a Voyager wizard. His military with traversing worlds, his shady connections, it all adds up. We can't make that reference yet, John. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but I'm gonna. <sighs> oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, Merlin wants to show some kids a book again. Yep. What has happened to this book? Sora has mysteriously disappeared from the cover of the Winnie the Pooh book. Yes, how could this possibly happen? At least it wasn't being used as a chew toy again, is all I can say. Yeah, that's a good point. Would we have felt better if it was Christopher Robin like it should be? Christopher Robin doesn't exist. Sora has supplanted his existence. We've been over this. <laughs> Sora consumed his existence. Donald holds up the book and Sora just jumps on it. Yeah, we were just used to it at this point. Yep. In the Hundred Acre Wood, Pooh Bear is thinking about something as Sora approaches. Who remembers Sora and says he's home. At least Pooh isn't being disturbingly fatalistic or completely mentally disturbed. Yeah, Pooh isn't thinking about various shit and he's not forgetting Sora. There's nothing weird yet. Nothing on seems to be going on. Then Rabbit says we have trouble. And then a fucking terrifying elephant comes in ridden by Rue. What the fuck is that thing? Lavender elephant just right here. <laughs> this is not when I first I swear when I first saw this elephant lumpy. I thought this was some kind of shit post in the game or something, because that's not oh, yeah. any Winnie the Pooh character I know. Yeah. Did Lumpy do something to our friends? Yeah. I don't trust this thing. He's an elephant. And remember, heffalumps and woozles steal honey. No, he's not an elephant. He's literally a heffalump. Yeah. And I like I have on my notes. Who are you, creature? And why are you in this book? What horrible things have you done? I, it, by the way, can I just disturb you? Go for it. Lumpy is a nickname. Do I hear his whole name? No. Yes. <laughs> Heffridge, Trumpler, Brumpet, Heffalump the Fourth. Oh, oh no. This thing's terrible. I hate it. <laughs> my understanding is the whole thing is Heffalumps aren't as bad as Tigger's random bullshit story says is kind of what the, the movie that he gets. Oh, so Tigger's racist against Heffalumps. Is that the message? No, Tigger somehow willed these things into existence by not being willing to admit he mispronounces words. And then just this happened. I don't know. So it, you're not doing anything to dissuade me from thinking that this is a fragment in the sea of fragments. <laughs> <laughs> That or that or Lumpy's a primal. Uh, this is a very corrupted possible. fragment. Yep. Oh, gosh. <laughs> a corrupted crystal fragment. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We're talking a lot about Final Fantasy 14. We might need to do about that something real quick. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh uh, the rest of the critters show up and the premise of this iteration of the Hundred Acre Wood is made clear. We have gardening mini games to do. Yeah, we have three mini games and about six more lines of dialogue. That's it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> 
there's three variations of basically the bust a move type of of mini game, uh, you know, yeah. puzzle bobble sort of stuff. It's it's a weird one where you replace pieces up to however many you choose in a line. It's yeah. kind of an awkward mechanic, I found and this. And well, it took me some time to understand what you actually have to do with the minigame. The voice clips nearly drove me to madness. <laughs> Understandable. That thing was terrifying. Honestly, I don't mind these minigames that badly, but the problem is that they're actually too easy and you can spend like 10 minutes playing one game of them. They're too slow, I think would be a right word. Like it takes a long yeah. time to go through one. And until I figured out the gimmick with rabbit and every single one of them, I kind of kept not getting nearly enough and you have to grind them. Yeah. For ingredients. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, the flower minigame in particular is the only way you can get honey, which is a pretty important ingredient for several things. There's one interesting lucky emblem in here. It's a hedge in the distance. This is one of the first ones I really noticed that was unusual. And it's kind of what sort of alerted me like, oh boy. Yep. <laughs> like if you haven't been lo- paying attention to lucky emblems and looking for them, if you when you notice the, the first one of these, it's just like, wait, is that the one that, the first really wild one? The first really wild one that you notice is just like, oh, no, what have they done to me? what kind of hellish magic eye nightmare are we about to go through from now on you will have uh mickey pareidolia yes (laughs) so i have a few notes in this otherwise dull sequence of minigames you're never going to leave sora merlin has trapped you in this horrifying fragment adrift in sea of fragments where stuffed creatures get you to play farming minigames all day sora blink twice if you're being held against your will this charming kolzik milu is a mind trap sora free yourself then Pooh goes I want us to be together forever. Sora, Sora get, get out, out of there. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get the Honey Spout Keyblade. Yay. It, so its form changes are the Honey Blasters and the Honey Launcher. It is exactly the same as the, uh, what was the name of that? Shooting Star, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Shooting Star. And the shot locks are Honey Burst, Honey Drizzle, and Sweet Surprise. I'm pretty sure one of those heals you. I think I used Honey, I think I used Honey Spout once to try and then never again. It's not the best keyblade, as I recall. And it's, a sh- and it's a short blade one, so it's hard to use. I forget what its ability that it comes with is, but anyway. Oh. Uh, yep. So Twilight yeah. Town, Berwood's like, oh, you got oh. out. Yeah, I had one last note before getting the hu- after getting the honey spout. Get me the fuck out of here! <laughs> yeah, so Berlin papers over the whole thing about there being a new path between hearts to discover and traverse, and I'm like, you would know, wouldn't you? After all, after this, you have a tea date with Feathery. Shush, John. Next world is Arendelle, but because this season is long, we're doing our planned mini-log in two parts. One is a mid-season mini-log and the second part at the end. And because we are really anxious about talking about it, as you can clearly see towards the end of this one, next week, we're doing Final Fantasy XIV Part 1, A Realm Reborn Through Stormblood. None of us were playing Legacy, so sue us. I played Legacy once, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I tried to get into the beta for Legacy and it didn't work out. It didn't work on my computer because Legacy mm. didn't work. <laughs> That's it for this week. See you next week in Final Fantasy Land. But until that time, I'm Jared. I'm John. And I'm Matt. Remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlog dialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. 
Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. You all see the Kingdom Hearts news from last night, right? Because I told you to. Yeah, you showed me. I'm, I thought it was like last October, like we were talking like 16 months ago. Mm. No, uh, we are talking, what is it? Uh, not five. last Five months ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that's when those episodes aired. So, um, <laughs> at, a, at a Kingdom Hearts concert, Tetsuya Nomura came out on stage. Apparently, he was only, like, they were invited here, and he's like, I don't have any news, but uh, let me bring up the exact word. It seemed here. like he was talking to one person saying, you're going to be surprised or something. Uh, so... Here's the tweet that talks about it says, so no news for Kingdom Hearts stuff at the concert as expected, but apparently there was a huge incident happened last October that has a big impact on the future of Kingdom Hearts series, but it seems he didn't go into any details. And apparently like uh, Yoko Shimomura was on stage and she was very shocked to hear anything at all. And then uh, Nomura talked about it backstage. So what possibly could have happened back in October that would have uh, affected the direction of Kingdom Hearts going forward? You mean from and, us somehow. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm going to just throw it out there. So here are the four episodes that we put out in October. They were all in our Kingdom Hearts 2 uh, discussions. There was Mickey Says the Thing, which was Tron and the... Uh, Hollow Bastion. Uh, yeah, Hollow Bastion stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald with the Big Foam Finger, which is the Battle of a Thousand Heartless. <laughs> or on Funko Pup, which is the first half of our Disney World... Uh, Speed uh, recap speed run and lionocracy which is the second half of that speed run which of those do you think is the big momentous thing that changed the direction of kingdom hearts i was complaining <laughs> i don't know i was complaining about the gall wings being there for no reason oh gosh okay i was going to uh, say complaining about uh about cursed statues with a funko pop as a funko pop world yeah funko oh boy i mean they did just announce a new do- uh sora funko pop uh, for mm. based on the Kingdom Hearts one design. Oh no! <laughs> what if what and the I heroes saw... are doing is bad? We start speculating randomly. Like, oh no, that's his idea. Oh no! Crap! crap they're on to me. <laughs> no, I don't want to be a, a a marketable marketable vinyl statue. That would be a good trick. But are Funko Pops really marketable? Let's be clear <laughs> on this. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing in my house right now, and I haven't bought a one. Oh, no. You should probably get that looked into. That seems like a problem. I mean, it's a roommate problem. I mean, not much you can do to that. Oh, I know. We were talking about how Stitch sneaks into every story. And how that's just like a Stitch Stitch got into my notes. I don't know how, but now it's the movie. The game's about him. Oh, no. Because <laughs> that's when he shows up. And we actually discussed those part of his marketing. Mm-hmm. Well, he does uh, He does his entire, uh, what you call it, his entire uh, summon is him photobombing the screen, right? So mm-hmm. I never use the KH three stitch. Uh, KH three stitch is KH three is probably the worst stitch. It is like not particularly useful compared to even the other link summons. Oh no! Uh, it was us. It was us going on about the weird add on cut scene. Ooh, there you go. Oh, the fans actually get into uh, overly speculating this shit. I got to add a whole bunch more. On that note, what am I kidding? I'm pretty sure no Murder could do that anyways. On that. Something related to that, Jared. You still have not finished the story for Kingdom Hearts 3. It's you need to true. get on that.
I was laughing because John was a sport and and uh, sat with me while I took notes on Arendelle before we did Trails last night. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was Chad just... I mean, so it, that's when I sort of realized, oh, wait, I'm bad at Kingdom Hearts. Because, <laughs> like... No, like um, you don't want to play his critical mode. So Matt's playing critical mode, too, and he's playing critical mode without items. He, he barely died on the things that killed me a lot. Also here, there's the banana fantastic plan. I don't, didn't mean to knock the desk. <laughs> flan, say, boom! You, yeah. You're very upset at this banana flan. Uh, it's the, so there is a, yeah.